Hello, I'm George Cup. And I'm Callum Gurr. And you're about to listen to the podcast version of To Be Discussed with Cup and Gurr. Please note that this is a podcast, so it's not a live broadcast. So please do not try to vote in any of the polls or send in messages to any of our discussions, as your message will not be registered, but you may still be charged. Also, please note that not all of the opinions expressed in this podcast are our actual opinions, but may be expressed to create a better discussion. Anyway, enjoy the podcast and don't miss our live broadcast every Sunday on Wizard Radio Station. Good evening, this is To Be Discussed with Cup and Gurr, a show that proves that different political opinions do not have to end in feuds and the breakdown of friendships. My name is George Cup, and I'll be joined by my co-host and political opposite, Callum Gurr. Good evening everybody, that's right, George is a hardline Brexiteer and true blue conservative, whereas I'm in them and Ramona, but despite these different standpoints, we are still good friends. Tonight we'll be asking, is enough being done to protect bisexual people's rights? Which of these travel destinations tops your bucket list? And do you trust social media influencers with each of these discussions being accompanied by polls which you have the chance to vote on at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen and these discussions will be open until the end of the song break between each topic. But first, last week, we asked you to send in your opinions on the following question. What is one way you are helping to tackle the climate emergency? And as always, you guys have been sending us lots and lots of messages. And our first one comes in from Fadar. And I hope I've got your name wrong uh, right there. So uh, they say it feels like there is so little that we can actually do as individuals to tackle climate change because it's such a massive issue. And we are already so deep in the issue. For me, I think it's important for us to do everything we can do, though. I try to use too many I try not to use too many plastics, not throw out clothes the whole time. I only fly to go on holiday once a year or twice, including the return journey. I don't leave the taps running, etc. But also I use my social media. My my Instagram has basically become an Extinction Rebellion fan page because I like to remind people constantly of the climate emergency because it's it, because it is an emergency. And if I remind them, maybe they'll pay the, play their part too. People might find me annoying for it, but it's important that people don't forget the reality of our planet right now. Well, Callum, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think there's a, a really interesting ways to help um, tackle the climate emergency. I particularly think, um, obviously, the, the last way in terms of using social media is a, a really interesting way, actually. Um, and it really does make you kind of think about 
in a sense, is that actually out of these options, the kind of more practical options you, you would say of, of, you know, only flying once a year, not throwing out old clothes um, too early as such, not trying to use plastic. So those are really practical steps. But then there's this kind of a, more of an abstract set, uh, step of, of using social media. And it really does make you think it, which of these are actually more beneficial in helping to tackle the climate emergency. And I think in a sense, I might well come down on the, the other way in terms of that using social media is actually in many ways a more effective way of, do, of doing these kind of things. Or at least it can encourage more people to do those kind of things that um, Fadar or Again, I apologise if I pronounced your name incorrectly. Um, but what they, um, what those practical steps are that, that they've outlined, um, social media could encourage more people to do those kind of things, and I think that is obviously really important. I mean, George, I mean, obviously, what, what do you think of this opinion? But also, um, what do you think of that kind of toss-up between which is more important, these practical steps or? more abstract use of social media um <clears throat> excuse me I, I i think it's a really interesting uh, opinion to have and i think that they as callum you rightly say there is always that really hard um area to to determine which one is better in in terms of influencing people and also making an impact on the planet and i'm going to take the argument that i think it's both because i i don't believe that we could just use social media to to uh put our message out there because you, we need to have action as well you know it would all be very well and good if someone that owned 25 jet planes and an oil tanker um tweeted about extinction rebellion and the climate emergency yeah. because then themselves wouldn't actually be doing anything um and it's it's the little things and, and i'm sure as we read out these opinions we will find that is that it is absolutely the little things that can help um and to take the tagline from tesco's every little helps <laughs> i don't I, I didn't expect tesco's to be getting free advertising tonight <laughs> but uh, other, but, other supermarkets available <laughs> <laughs> right then moving on to our next opinion uh it's from alicia or alicia again sorry if i pronounced both of those wrong um oh. but uh i went to one of the climate change protests it was really fun and i felt like we were doing a really good thing also though the biggest thing i do is take public transport places instead of going in a car to places i'm too young to drive anyway if I'm going to a friend's house or into town, then I'll take a bus or train instead because the exhausts from cars are so bad for the environment. I mean, what do you make of that, George? Yeah, I, I think um, it's it's great that um, you've been able to attend a protest. And, and it's, it is important. If you really believe in something and you're passionate about something, then absolutely go to that protest. And if you think like you if you feel like you're doing a good thing, then I can pretty much guarantee that it is a good thing and you are making an influence on on certain people and i think one of the biggest things about the protests that have gone on is that because there are young people protesting it's making those that wouldn't normally look in that direction um actually take a look because it's not a lot of people would say oh young people will just stay inside on their computer but this cause is making people from all walks of life come out and protest and make sure that we are aware of the situation um 
and uh, also it is so good that you're using public transport i mean i will hold my hands up i don't use public transport that often i mean if i go up to <laughs> london um i will get the train up but apart from that i i'm not the biggest uh user of public transport but that is because i do have a car and if i can give someone a lift i will always give someone a lift um i'm not that selfish so uh so yeah i i think absolutely if you can't drive you know don't just rely on your parents to, to give you lifts everywhere make sure that you use the available public transport that is around what are your thoughts there Callum? Yeah, I mean, I echo really what you say that using public transport is obviously really, really important and a really good way um, of um, helping to kind of reduce um, carbon emissions and help tackle the climate emergency in that way. And it's why I found it so surprising, as I mentioned on the show last week, um, it's why I found it so surprising when Extinction Rebellion were targeting public transport um as a way of, of getting their message across because the inconvenience in people from taking public transport seems kind of counterintuitive to the aims of uh, Extinction Rebellion. Um, but that is a kind of another topic for another day. Um, I'd, I wanted to ask you a question, George, though, which is, you know, what, what is it that you are doing? What is one way you are helping uh, to tackle the climate emergency? Um... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is the question, George. So you shouldn't be that surprised yeah. this has come up. Yeah, I know. Um, I I really make sure. I when I was younger, I was always someone that would always leave the tap on when I was brushing my teeth, and I would always leave the lights on unnecessarily. Yeah. Um, and now I always make sure that I am turning lights off when I don't use them. I'm turning the tap off after I brush my teeth and wash my hands. Um, and also something that's really important I find um that can make a big effect is when I do drive and I'm stuck in traffic, I turn my engine off. Um, because yeah. Or, or I'm, I'm sat waiting for someone, I turn my engine off because an idling engine can actually cause quite a lot of emissions out of the exhaust. So when, with an engine off, obviously you're not using any petrol or emissions and it's actually a little, uh, thing, easy thing to do that can actually over a long time make quite a big impact. But Callum, what, what are you doing to, uh, save the planet? There always feels like something really, um, accusatory about, uh, that question doesn't it uh, yeah. <laughs> but um no one of the things that i am doing is that um for, for this show when we first started um i used to print out the script every week i used to print out my notes every week um i've switched over to doing it paperless nowadays um and so that's kind of one way of, of making or not contributing so much towards um deforestation um, and just another way is that whenever I do buy quite a lot of meal deals, I will admit, this is probably not that surprising given I'm a student. Um, <laughs> but um, what I try and do nowadays is when, instead of buying a drink that's in like a plastic bottle, um, I, I try and buy a can or, or something that's made from at least from recyclable plastic um, just so that I'm not contributing so badly although i do accept that even a can is not exactly great in terms of um efficiency of resources so i suppose there's always something more we could be doing 
I, I I thought you were going to say that you just stopped making notes, and I was going to say, well, that's the reason why you've got so rubbish. Um, <laughs> Charming. <laughs> I'm joking. So our next opinion comes in from Aiden, and uh, they say it's too late to stop climate change, but there are all things we can do to stop the impacts of it from being as bad as they could be. It's all about the little things that add up. Not using plastic bags, wearing your clothes for longer than than always buying new clothes, reducing food wastage, recycling and protesting. Protesting is so important because it puts pressure on our leaders to make the big changes that we can't possibly make on our own. Well, Callum, it's quite a statement. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely, definitely is. Uh, I mean, I, I do to a certain extent agree. Um, because of course, yeah, um, it does put pressure um, on politicians and, and world leaders to to take action. Um, and I think we have seen the benefits of protesting really in this last year um, with the schools protests, but also the, the Extinction Rebellion activations that they've had. It's, it's brought it into the public conversation a lot more than it otherwise would be. And I think yeah. a large part of that is because it's seen as, uh, especially the schools protests, are, are seen as attracting a lot of obviously younger people to do these things. And actually that youth vote is so sought after in politics. So from a cynical perspective, I think that's part of the reason why suddenly environmentalism um, has come onto the public agenda a lot more. But that's a good thing and it shows the benefits that, pro- or the benefits that protests can bring. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 it's I think also the, the protesting side of things, as, as Callum and I have kept saying, is that um, when protests happen, it's it's key that they are kept to what the actual cause is and not disrupting people that are actually trying to help the planet by using public transport. And I think that's the thing with protests. It's so easy for protests to get out of hand and, and to yeah. lose the core message. Um, so if you do go out and protest for the climate emergency, make sure that you are keeping to that core message to to really put across the the reason why you're out there protesting and to even encourage people to to join you on the protest. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. OK, so remember, we will be announcing what the question will be for you to send in your opinions on at the end of tonight's show. So make sure you're ready for that, for the chance to be featured in this segment of next week's show. But it is now time for the first song break of this evening. So we're back after this lovely tune. Hello and welcome back to To Be Discussed. So moving on to our second discussion of this evening, we are asking the question, is enough being done to protect bisexual people's rights? So former One Direction star and now solo artist Liam Payne has faced a backlash for his new song, Both Ways, this week. Uh, The song fetishises bisexual women in the way it depicts the benefits from a male perspective of having a bisexual girlfriend. At one point, the song says, make every day my birthday, let's celebrate like, oh my gosh, she do things you won't believe. Twitter user Katie Gatfield criticised the song, saying it made it seem like bisexual women only exist for men's pleasure. This incident in objectification of bisexual women comes on the back of um, National Centre for Injury Provision and Control figures 
which shows that bisexual women are more likely to suffer sexual violence than heterosexual or lesbian women. Many argue not enough is being done to protect bisexual people, particularly women, uh, from these dangerous intrusions on their rights. George, what did you make of this Liam Payne song? Does it harm bisexual people's rights? And more generally, is enough being done to protect bisexual people's rights? Um, well, it's it's always uh, an interesting interesting area because I've got um, a few friends that are bisexual, and um, they always tell me that they always feel victimised or feel as if that they are the ones that feel um as if they're they're isolated because unfortunately i believe that a lot of people that are bisexual don't feel as if they can fit in the heterosexual group or the gay group um and there is a lot of um people within the gay community that um will dislike bisexuals because they can't choose as 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 they say and also from the heterosexual side as well and because of that I feel that there are, and from talking to my bisexual friends, they have told me that they feel so isolated because there isn't actually that group that they can be a part of um, because they say that, you know, they, they don't, they um, obviously being bisexual, they um, would be with either sex and it, it it is a problem. And I think a lot of the time, um, and I, and I'm not being, um, rude against those who are gay but a lot of the time I feel as if a lot of the attention goes on people that are gay um, and a lot of the uh, news and media and the people that are bisexual get left behind and they don't get thought about they just presume that they or people presume that they just come into the gay category which I don't think is necessarily right they are bisexual and they they aren't gay they're bisexual um so i do believe that there is a problem with a with us protecting um bisexual people's rights because there is so much more understanding around that that those those individuals because um a lot of attention has gone on heterosexuals and um the gay communities so i i definitely think that more needs to be done um what do you think though callum yeah i mean i i echo what you said in terms of um i do think definitely more needs to be done to protect bisexual people's rights because i think there is a huge problem um in terms of kind of stigmatizing um bisexuality in the fact that quite often you hear of the fact that bisexuality is a kind of phase um, and and that if a, a, um, a person who's bisexual is, is dating someone of, of the same sex as them, that quite often if they then go on to date someone of the opposite sex, um, they, they will, it will be referred to as when they were dating someone of the same sex, that that was a, a phase in their life as it were, not by that particular person, but I mean by their by their parents or their friends and family. Mm. Um, so I think there does need to be a kind of better acceptance of the fact that bisexuality is a thing that does exist as such, because I think there is a 
a kind of feeling of, as you say, George, of people saying, oh, well, why can't they, why can't they choose um, which um, gender they like or which sex they like? Um, and, and I mean, that's just completely wrong. That's completely ignorant, really. Yeah. Um, to, to, to the facts. And, and more to the point, I think a really strong way of, of kind of coming back on that, uh, as an argument is that, in a sense, why, uh, why do we need to choose, as it were, which, um, which sex we prefer? Because at the end of the day, sure, surely the, the, thing that should matter is that that person that person suits you and um, mm. so therefore you could almost say that bisexual people have got it right because they're not blinded by um by sex and by, by gender they're, they're actually just picking people uh, on their own merits um, yeah. uh, and so i think that's a kind of really strong argument um to protect bisexual people's rights yeah do you do you think that um we have unfortunately got to a point possibly where it is harder for those that are bisexual to to come out to come out to their friends and to to admit that they are bisexual to their friends and families because of the stigma that is around being bisexual nowadays do you think it is it would be easier for them just to come out gay yeah i think in a certain sense it is or or i think probably what is more the problem is that bisexual people don't see the need to come out in the same way that someone who's gay or or lesbian would and because of the fact that um you know they might well end up um dating or or marrying or at least settling down with someone who is of the opposite sex which unfortunately still in society is seen as the kind of more quote normal um relationship to have so i think there's there's probably a problem of, of them not coming out because they because there's still a, there is still that kind of social stigma, although it is fast being um, massively reduced. There still is a, a, that little social stigma about um, same sex relationships. And I think in a sense, bisexual people get it worse because of the fact um, that they kind of have a, a, a choice in terms of um coming out in that they they may well still be able to have a, a loving relationship with someone romantic relationship without actually having to to come out because they may end up set and um, settling down with someone who is of the opposite sex to them i mean what do you think george yeah i i, I totally do believe that that unfortunately um bisexual people probably would find it easier to come out as as being gay um than actually saying that they were bisexual but you you do make a really important point kind of that i had actually never even thought of that there are probably a lot of bisexual people out there um that don't feel the need to come out as it were because they they could settle down with someone that is of the opposite sex and as you are as you correctly said that is seen to be the the normal choice in society um and so there wouldn't be any need for them to even come out and and to unfortunately no matter where you come from if you do um come out and bisexual or gay there is that stigma that comes around it so you don't you don't need to put that um unnecessary pressure on yourself to in coming out um but uh, do you think we will ever um see see in this country focusing on this country um 
a, 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 an area where bisexuals or, or those that choose not to, quote, be in the normal relationships, heterosexual relationships. Do you think we will ever see an, an equality between all choices? In terms of do I think that there will be kind of equal numbers of these people? Or do you just mean that the stigma has gone? I, I no, I mean as time goes on, um, do you think, and it is more accepted? Do you think there will be more equal numbers between heterosexual and gay and bi, um, and so on? Yeah, I, I, I think that I, I don't think we probably will ever get to a point where there is a kind of complete equality or even near to a, a complete equality um, in terms of um, straight up numbers of people who are by LGB um, compared to those who are heterosexual. Yeah. Um, but I do think that we're moving in the right directions in terms of broader um, acceptance of um, these kind of, or of those relationships and the acceptance of the fact that people can love who they blooming well want. Um, I mean, what do you think, George? I, I think we can have confidence in the fact that one day we will be able to um, be in a world and a country that uh, accepts everyone for who they are and what they are and who they want to love. That's a very inspiring uh, way to finish that topic. But um, remember, guys, you've got a chance to vote on this poll. Uh, that question is, is enough being done to protect bisexual people's rights? You can do that at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. And we'll be back very soon. Hello and welcome back to To Be Discussed. So before the break, we asked the question, is enough being done to protect bisexual people's rights? And you can find out the results to that poll over on our Twitter page. That's at WizRadio. Right. OK, so let's move on to our third discussion of this evening. And we're asking the question, which of these travel destinations tops your bucket list? So I think everyone at one stage of their life, if not more stages of their life, sits back possibly at work or at school or at university and thinks, oh, I would love to go traveling for a month or a couple of weeks, or I would love to go to a country and see the culture of that area to in, embrace the, the traditions of that area as well. And we often refer to things that we want to go and do, wishes that we want to go and do as our bucket list. Um, and bucket lists can have all different kinds of things on there, um, from going swimming with turtles to drinking a bottle of water that's made out of glass or something. I don't know. That was very random. Uh, <laughs> that's rubbish. <laughs> um, but we're asking which of, uh, which country you want to go to travel to. So, which one out of the following would you want to go to? North America, South America, Europe, Asia, Africa or Australia? Well, Callum, um, I was going to do the accents for all of those, but I'll leave that to you. Um, <laughs> which one are you going to say? Uh, so out of those, the, the kind of destination or continent as these are that I would most want to go to would be South America. Um, it's somewhere that I've, I've, well, I wouldn't say always, but it's somewhere that I've wanted to go to now for a good few years. Um, 
particularly uh, I want to go to Peru because um, I want to um, go and see Machu Picchu, which obviously is pretty standard in terms of on bucket list. But also in South America, I, I want to go to Colombia, uh, Bolivia to and see the salt flats there. Um, obviously, then some of the more um, common ones as well in, in terms of Argentina and Brazil, obviously, amazing places to see. And, and the depiction of South America is, is such a, a vibrant place, really, um, that I just think it would be amazing to go and see. And also, I absolutely really want to go uh, to the Amazon as well. So, so there's kind of some really amazing opportunities there, I think, that make that top my bucket list. What about you, George? What what tops your bucket list out of these destinations? Well, I, for a very, very long time, since I was um, young, have always, always, always uh, wanted to go to Africa. Um, it is some a place that I would just... I One day, I wouldn't mind living there. Um, I used to want to go and work in Africa on, on the safari ranch and do a safari ranger training course that was for six months and you go and work out there for um, five years and I looked into doing that when I was younger and wanted to be a zoologist um, and even today I would love to be able to take a month if not two months out um, of my working life and, and go there and just experience Africa's culture the tribal culture the the animals the the views the landscape I just I can't tell you how much of a dream um, it would be of me to, to go there and and I wouldn't mind where where to go I mean uh, when I was younger uh, we were supposed to go on safari there, but unfortunately, due to a uh, civil war going on in Kenya at the time, we had to cancel it because it was too dangerous for us to go. Oh, on. Okay. Um, but even still, I still have it on my bucket list and it doesn't have a tick next to it yet. So I hope that one day I will be able to get there. Um, but would you ever allow Asia to be on your bucket list, Callum? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think Asia is definitely um, somewhere that I'd I'd want to go. I mean, obviously, in terms of in the in the world right now, um, China is so massively on the rise, really, and is is likely to become the world's foremost superpower um, in the next twenty years. Say, um, I think that means that I would absolutely definitely want to to go to China and see. And the kind of life they have there, um, and and also t- talking of rising superpowers, there's also India and Asia as well, and and obviously that would be a fascinating place to go and visit. Um, I, I mean, I kind of think that all all of these um, places have merits, really. And if I had a bottomless pit of money, I definitely would would want to go to all of them. I, I mean, George, just to try and um, uh, give give a, a different perspective, as it were. Um, yeah. Which of these destinations would you l- least be inclined to to want to go to? Ooh, that's a fa- oh, why do you ask me difficult questions? <laughs> um, uh, I'm gonna say possibly 
Europe. And it, it, it's because, um, and no, it's not because I'm a Brexiteer before I hear people saying that. <laughs> um, it's because I feel that I, I'm someone that enjoys landscapes that are open, um, and of, of natural beauty. And a lot of Europe's landscape is city landscape and yeah. it is a lot more, um, city based and, and, uh, it's not urban areas. So because of that, I, I think I would prefer not going to Europe. And also I've had a lot of family holidays in Europe, you know, um, Spain, Italy, Germany and, and, and places like that. And as much as I do absolutely enjoy going on those holidays, it's not somewhere that I would choose to often go to. Now, I, I think if we were asking an American their opinion, they would possibly say um, they wouldn't possibly go to America to uh, on their bucket list because um, it's right outside their front door. And I think that's yeah. my argument with Europe is that it is easily accessible. You know, we can get on the Eurostar and it's 45 minutes on the train from where we live. Um, and I think that's another reason is that if I was going to somewhere on my bucket list, I would like to go somewhere that's that's little, that little bit further and that um, little bit harder to get to. What, what about you, Callum? Would you side with me on Europe or would you go argue for somewhere else um i was originally gonna say australia but i i actually i i think you've convinced me actually that that europe um especially if if we're talking about in terms of i've got a bottomless pit of money as i said earlier europe isn't going to be up there top on my list just because even without the bottomless pit of money europe feels fairly accessible so it's not because i don't want to go there but it's because it doesn't it feels far more attainable so so therefore it's it's not necessarily that kind of once in a lifetime experience particularly for like more western and central european countries it's not a once in a lifetime experience because i might well end up going there multiple times yeah. i mean thinking of the example of greece i have been there multiple times um so i think based upon that um, I, I, Europe would would not necessarily top my bucket list, as it were. But Australia, the reason why I was thinking of saying there is because a I just I hate the heat, as you know, George. And <laughs> so if I went to Australia when it was really hot, I, I think I would absolutely hate it. And <laughs> that sounds so depressing, doesn't it? It does. Um, but I also just. I don't think there's enough culture or anything in Australia. And this is really, really kind of bad of me. And I'm sure there'll be loads of Australians or not just Australians. Sorry. Um, it should be Australasia. I've just realized that option, not, not Australia. Um, but, um, I, I'm sure there'll be loads of people from that continent that will point out the fact that there's absolutely loads of stuff to go and see there. And there's loads of culture there. Um, but my perception of it is, Compared to somewhere like Asia or Africa or South America, there's just not so much history there um, to, to really get your teeth into. And history is such an important part of why I travel, really. Yeah. I, do, I mean, apart from your brother and Matt probably being quite disappointed about you slagging off Australia there, Callum. Um, <laughs> who do you think is going to come out on top? Or what do you think is going to come out on top? Uh, I'm going to back... South America, I think. I think it's an immensely popular destination with younger people, which is the majority of our audience, really. I mean, what do you think? 
Well, uh, I'm going to back Africa because I love Africa so much. Um, but it is time for you guys to vote on this question. Which of these travel destinations tops your bucket list? Now, remember, um, they are North America, South America, Europe, Asia, Africa or Australasia. Um, and you can do that by voting on wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. We'll be back after this song break. Hello and welcome back. So, before that break, we asked the question, which of these travel destinations tops your bucket list? And to find out the results of that poll, please go to our Twitter page, that's at WizRadio. Right then, time to move on to our fourth and final discussion of this evening. We are asking, do you trust social media influencers? So social media influencers have become a new and increasingly prevalent kind of celebrity with huge marketing potential. Marketing firm Isaiah found the average price of a sponsored photo on Instagram has jumped from £104 pound in 2014 to £1,276 pound in 2019, highlighting this huge marketing poll. But doubts are beginning to emerge about the trustworthiness of many influencers, given the huge sums they can attract to simply endorse a product on social media. It would seem a huge conflict of interest is emerging for many of the largest stars that makes their word far less than gospel. George, what do you think? Do you trust social media influencers? Um, not particularly. Uh, I, I think there are, obviously, someone has, has realised that there is an area that can be targeted uh, and an area that can, people can make money out of. So, of course, um, you're going to look into to having social media influences as they are. Um, but I, I, I always feel as if these social media influences are... Uh, sometimes, I don't know what the word is, but sometimes they, they seem to forget that they are influencers as, as, and they, they say things that are maybe wrong or shouldn't be said. Um, and a lot of people just take the opinion of what's being said there. So I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard, but I can see why they are in place because sometimes they can be good if we go back to the climate change and, and, um, the climate emergency problems. But on other things, I think they can be a problem. What do you think, Callum? Yeah, I don't, I don't trust social media influencers at, at all. Um, especially the, the bigger stars, as it were, because as I said in the instruction, they, they pull in so much money for just simply saying, I, use Listerine or I shop at Waitrose or 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 whatever and I'm that's not me taking a specific dig at any specific marketing campaign. Um that was just more way of an example. Um but I think you know they there is a massive problem um in terms of social media influences and and yeah what what kind of influence effectively uh, they can have. Um, I do think, however, that that problem is getting le- is lessening now, um, because I think there is a much more of a public awareness of 
the actual kind of money behind what a lot of these influencers are saying. Um, I mean, George, do you think that there is something markedly different about a, a, an influencer with huge, huge pull like um, Zoella or um, PewDiePie to a certain extent that um, compared to these more micro influencers that only maybe have um, thousands of followers rather than millions. Do you think we can trust maybe micro influencers more than we can trust um, what are known as macro influencers? No, I don't. I don't think we can trust either of them. I think the people that are on millions think they can say whatever they like because they've already got millions of followers and they know that what they say a lot of people take um, as law um and then i would say the smaller ones to try and make a name for themselves would say some things that are a little bit more controversial to make sure they get noticed um so i wouldn't believe any of them really um i would as i often say on this show um and so do you callum that whoever or whatever you see on online and social media just go and do a bit of research around it if you see an opinion Go and have a look at a different opinion and come to your own opinion. Don't just see something and go, oh, yeah, that must be true. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, um, a, I mean, a really, really good point there, George. I mean, obviously, just trusting what you see online isn't, isn't an ideal situation. But, I mean, is there any um, examples of influencers, though, that you do follow and you find yourself liking um, a lot of what they do? Because, I mean... Unfortunately, unless really you, you've been living under a rock, um, everyone is to a certain extent impacted by these people. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're, I wouldn't so much say there is anyone that I follow religiously. Um, there are the there's the odd person obviously on Twitter that I follow, but I, I wouldn't be able to name them if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, that I quite often see and think, yeah, that's a good point, and I'll retweet it or like it. Um, obviously, with me, a lot of the stuff that I do or retweet or read is political. Um, so yeah. it's and that's always a, hard, a dodgy area as well because there are people that do get paid to to promote political causes. Um, and it's 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 it is hard. But is there anyone in particular that stands out for you, Callum? Uh, well, since um, oh, well, I mean, since probably 2012, 2013, I've always followed this um, this account. It originated on YouTube. It's now quite big on Instagram as well, called uh, Slip Heart TV. Um, and effectively, w- what they do is that they, or at least originally, they were just doing uh, men's hairstyle videos. Um, and whenever I got a haircut, I used to load up. Uh, that YouTube channel and have a look at them because they've done a lot of um, ha- how-to guides on um, hairstyles of footballers um, and obviously that's always a massive influence when you're younger um, yeah. so I-, I still do um, when I go to get a haircut sometimes if I fancy a change um, I do always have a look on there and I I followed them on Instagram and I like pretty much everything they do so I- I'm certainly not um uh, immune from um, social media influencers and their influence um, but one thing I would say is that I although the, these uh, slick cards do actually sell products I've never bought them before so I think you can be influenced by influencers without actually um, you know parting with your money uh, as it were 
Um, right then, uh, we've reached the time to go on to our final song break of this evening, but don't forget to vote on this poll. Do you trust social media influencers? You can do that at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen, and we'll be back very soon. Hello and welcome back to To Be Discussed. So before the break, we ask the question, do you trust social media influencers? And to find out the results to that poll, head over to our Twitter page. That's at Wiz Radio. Right then, we've reached that sad part of your Sunday night. It's time to end this evening's <laughs> show. So thanks very much for listening to To Be Discussed with Up and Girl. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. So as mentioned earlier, for the first segment of next week's show, we liked... Uh, you to send in your opinions on this question what are your Christmas traditions because next week is Callum and I's or to be discussed with Cup and Gur Christmas special and we know how you all love Callum and my Christmas specials <laughs> um, they're uh, full of random things full of Christmas uh, cheer George I wouldn't go that far. So <laughs> so you can send us um, your answers to that question by sending us an email to station at wizardradio.co.uk or through Twitter, that's at wizardradio. Uh, so remember, that question is, what are your Christmas traditions? And as always, we will be looking forward to hearing those Christmas traditions. But it is now time for Callum and I to be leaving. So as always... I've been the Santa Claus in training, George Lawrence Cup. <laughs> I've got nothing. I've been Callum Gert. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week for another episode of To Be Discussed. Goodbye, guys. Ciao for now. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.